Good morning. It's good to see you and to have you with us for worship this morning at WPC. Today we continue our Grown Up VBS series where each week we dive into a familiar childhood story of the Bible, hoping to come away with a grown-up understanding. Next week the series will conclude with the story of Jesus and the tax collector Zacchaeus. Today for our penultimate story in the series we'll meet Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. This is a great story, one we've likely heard many times, one you've even heard me preach on already in my short tenure here at WPC, but it's also a story that begs to be heard again and again because of its beauty and its complexity. This is the longest conversation Jesus has with someone else in the Bible, and this is significant that it happens in the Gospel of John, whereas my New Testament professor, Francis Taylor Gensch, says, In John's Gospel, Jesus is so prone to monologue, it's hard for anyone else to get a word in edgewise. She even quips that a good catchphrase for the Gospel would be, Wordy is the Lamb. But here in this unlikely conversation, with an unlikely partner, Jesus has a deep and personal conversation about the nature of God. I invite you to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's Word together. From the fourth chapter of John's Gospel, beginning with the fifth verse. So we came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well? And with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. 
Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Let's pause here. So Jesus goes through Samaria with his disciples. John is the only gospel where Jesus and his disciples take this route. Samaria is in between Judea and Galilee, so on the one hand, it makes sense that he had to go through Samaria. On the other hand, Jews and Samaritans did not like one another. They had a deep shared heritage, but disagreed bitterly over many things. Namely, who were the true heirs of ancient Israel? So while Samaria was a convenient pit stop along the way, they easily could have gone around as many Jews would have. Jesus' stop in Samaria isn't geographically necessary, but theologically so. His stop at a well and conversation with a woman crosses social and ethnic boundaries of their day. It also leads to the conversion of an entire community. In the heat of the day, Jesus stops at the well and meets a woman there. This immediately strikes a familiar biblical chord. The narrator tells us that Jacob's well was there, part of that shared heritage of Jews and Samaritans, and this is where Jesus meets the woman. But this narrator note is more. It reminds us of the story of Jacob, where he meets his future wife, Rachel, at the well. As did his father Isaac before him, meeting Rebekah, where else? At a well. It's a familiar story. Boy and girl meet at a well. Or more particular, boy travels to a new land and meets a girl, forever connecting these two cultures. Unlike the Jacob and Isaac stories, there is no betrothal of marriage here, but there is an inseparable link here made between Jesus and the Samaritans. We meet the woman, who, by the way, remains nameless, and she comes to draw water. Jesus asks for a drink, to which the Samaritan woman names the awkwardness here, saying, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Just in case we haven't caught the cultural divide yet, the narrator gives us an aside, telling us how the Jews and Samaritans didn't share things in common. Jesus goes on to offer her living water, through which one would never be thirsty again. The woman is intrigued and asks for this water. Jesus instructs her to bring back her husband, to which she tells him she has no husband. Jesus goes on to tell her that he knows of her five previous husbands and that her current one isn't really her husband. Friends, for 2,000 years now, the church has had a field day describing this woman's sinfulness and even her promiscuity. But this isn't at all accurate, nor is it even the focus of the conversation. By naming her marital experience, Jesus is likely saying how she has been trapped, trapped in the legal system of levirate marriage, which existed in the day. And this required a younger brother to take his older brother's wife as his own if he died. Like the woman Tamar in Genesis, this woman has likely been trapped in the system. Her husband with many brothers dies, and his brother marries her, and so on and so on, all the way to the current brother who refused to marry her. This woman isn't sinful. Rather, she's a victim of sin. Jesus never says she is sinful, nor does he offer forgiveness. Rather, she has been discarded. She's now without status in the ancient world and is among the outcasts in the community, which is why she has to come to the well at the least desirable time of day, noon, the hottest part of the day. 
Jesus reaches out to this woman who has been discarded, caught in an unjust system, and he offers her living water. But either out of curiosity or just wanting to change the subject, she posits. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. You know how I said that there were some theological disagreements between Jews and Samaritans? This was the most crucial of these disagreements. Which is the holy place of worship, Jerusalem or Mount Gerizim? This was a million-dollar question, one that was quite bold for this woman to ask a Jewish prophet. Jesus responds in a surprising way, saying that true worship of God is done not in a particular place, but in spirit and truth. She responds that she knows the Messiah is coming to reveal all things, and Jesus tells her he is this awaited Messiah. This woman's bold curiosity allows her to have an experience with the Messiah, the Christ. Now let's see what the aftermath is, beginning with verse 27 in our reading. Just then his disciples came, they were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. But no one said, what do you want, or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left their city, they left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say four months more than comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. The story of Jesus and the woman at the well doesn't end with their conversation. It must also include these short episodes that follow to see just how pivotal this moment at the well was for Jesus' ministry, this woman, and the people of Samaria. The first scene here, the disciples arrive asking Jesus why on earth he's speaking to this woman, and she leaves abruptly, leaving her water jar behind. Scholars have questioned what this little detail might in- indicate. Some believe it means that she has embodied the message of Jesus. She now has this living water and no longer has any need for the jug. Others have argued that it is the feminine counterpart of discipleship in the Gospels, 
the, the counterpart to the one we know much better, of the disciples dropping their nets as fishermen to follow Jesus. This woman leaves the well with haste to go and share the good news. She doesn't even need to bring her water jar with her. Or perhaps my favorite is this. It's that she plans to return to the well. That she will soon return for the living water. Hinting to us that her story isn't done yet. This is exactly what we see as she returns home to share her experience of the gospel with her community. She says, come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? I love this statement of faith from the Samaritan woman. She begins by saying, come and see the very same words Jesus says in John's gospel when he calls the disciples. Notice her faith is both excited, but it's also tentative. She rushes home to share her experience of the Christ with her community, but when she speaks, she also wonders, he cannot be the Messiah, can he? This woman has had a transformational moment with Christ and shows an excited, but also a hesitant and not yet matured faith. Here's what I love, though. This woman, with still developing, still questioning, still pondering faith, is able to bear witness to the gospel which in the Gospel of John is the very mark of discipleship. She doesn't wait until she has figured out all of her questions or moved past doubt and crafted a cogent theological statement. She doesn't wait for an expert to do it for her, no. She goes and proclaims the Gospel. She shares her faith, her transformational experience of the living God, by sharing her authentic faith, just as it was. Friends, what might our church and world look like if we were to take a page from the Samaritan woman's evangelism playbook? What if we were to share her bold curiosity, bearing witness to the gospel, even in the midst of our own questions and doubts? The story concludes with an explanation of what happens after the Samaritan woman's sharing of her faith. Many Samaritans came to believe, but even more so, the Samaritans extended hospitality to Jesus and his disciples. Samaritans showed hospitality to their Jewish guests, something virtually unheard of. All of this because of this woman's bold, but also tentative faith. As a result, not only was a door open and a a table extended that once served as a wall, but John tells us, how the tentative faith of the Samaritans was deepened, deepened by a personal experience with Jesus, so that they truly believe Jesus to be the Savior of the world. Friends, just as the Samaritan woman's story isn't done yet, neither is ours. We too must return to the well. We must return for the living water. This beautiful story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman shows us that an authentic sharing of faith has the power to build bridges and disciples. Instead of saying, believe this or don't believe that, she says, come and see. Come and have an experience of Jesus. Let me share my own with you. As we seek ways to share our faith, may we also find ways in which our faith can build bridges, heal divisions, and bring people closer to Jesus, the living water who quenches our every thirst. Amen.